Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, creator of CrazyPerfectLife.com, a place to go to help you find meaning each day, and author of the book, Crush Cancer, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, available on Amazon. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a seven-ton cancer thriver. But more importantly, I am also the original napkin notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. Hey, everyone. Uh, Dara and I were just prepping for this podcast episode, and she commented about one of our last releases and how much she liked it because we were just so laid back and we were having fun. And I think that I'm not going to be as laid back this one. I think I'm going to be almost intense because we're going to be talking about something that is very near and dear to both Dara and myself, which is living big. Yeah. So what do we mean when we say living big? And it could possibly mean different things to different people because, you know, like we've talked about before, like the definition of success, what is a successful life that can mean different things to different people. So why don't we first define what a big life means to you. And then I'll share my thoughts on that. And I'm pretty sure they're going to be different. <laughs> I, I agree. And, you know? and and I do think that, you know, there's 7 billion people on the planet and we're probably going to come up with yeah, 10 billion definitions. And so I think in my mind, living big is always going for something. And I'll give you an example. I wrote a napkin note to Emma a few years ago. And I think that this is, it really symbolizes what I mean by this, which is hit big or miss big, but always swing with all you've got. Right. So if you're going to do, yeah, yeah, if you're going to do something, you do it with gusto. Yeah. If you're going to do something, you do it with gusto. So what is your, like, if you could just summarize your definition of a big life. Is that what it is? It is. Right. It is because, and, and let's think about this. That definition can apply to everybody, right? Regardless of your socioeconomic background, where you live, anything, right? If you're going to be a bike messenger in New York City, do it with the best ability and the best skills and the enthusiasm that you can muster every single day, right? Think about all of the stories that appeal to us as human beings, and I'm not talking about just you and me, Dara, I'm talking about everybody, right? So it's the stories about that bike messenger who, I don't know, says hello to everybody, or he wears a clown suit, right? As he's delivering this stuff, right? I mean, it's something that's extraordinary and it's because the person is giving it their all. There are a lot of people who have what they would probably consider to be very mundane jobs. But, you know, when you hear about the person who has the mundane job, it's not because they just do their job and they go home. It's because they do their job with gusto and maybe they give something a little extra or they make it different or they somehow decide that they are going to own what they're doing. Yeah. So I think if you had asked me five years ago what my definition of a big life is, it would be very different than my definition today. So and I think that can come with maturity and age and life experiences. And I think also like I'm 48. So maybe my priorities are different today than my priorities were maybe when I was in my twenties or when I was in my thirties. So, um, I mean, I definitely feel like 
I've changed a lot in terms of what I view as a big life. But for me, I would say if I had to just make it simple, I would say it is being true to myself, being true to my heart. To me, I would say that's my definition of living a big life. So what do I mean by that? I mean, if you had asked me like in my 20s, I probably would have said it would have been more about my career. It would have been more about like the linear progression that I viewed I wanted to make professionally. And, you know, I almost could have like in my mind seen it like sort of like a checklist, right? Like, okay, this promotion, check, moving forward, check, making this amount of money, check. So it would have been a lot more about that. And well, with and, that, and, so, and what, go on. No, so Dar, <laughs> do you really think that that's maybe really just a product of our upbringing and our environment, right? I mean, I think society definitely plays a role in that. Yes. Well, and especially back then. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily different. I just think maybe we're different. I don't think that, um, you mean in terms of like the linearness of society with regards to like your professional advancement? Sure. And, and maybe, and again, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I, I just remember, you know, being a teenager thinking, okay, these are the things that I need to do so that I can do the next step. And these are the things that I need to do to do the next step. And I'm not saying that we're necessarily very different today, but you know, the conversation I have with Emma with regards to what she's going to do after college, I don't ask her about the job that she wants. And, and I really am very specific about that because I ask her things like, what are the problems that you want to solve? Right. Or like, what's going to make you happy or what do you want to contribute right. to the world? But I definitely feel like with the progression of my professional job in my mind back then, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted out of my life, there was definitely a financial piece to that. I mean, let's be honest. Financial success is one of the measurements that our society has sort of ingrained in us to kind of make us feel like we're living a big life, if you will. And at that time, that was really important to me. So I definitely am very different today. That doesn't mean I don't like nice things. That doesn't mean I'm not a materialistic person. I'm not saying that I want to give up all my stuff. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, like I really see what matters So my time is way more important than the stuff that I have. So I feel like I would definitely define a big life today incredibly different than what I was going to say back then. And, you know, I want to make choices on how I spend my time and the value I place on the relationships I have is very different as well. And I would much rather have meaningful, heartfelt, sincere relationships with people that I really love and care about than a thousand friends that are acquaintances. But that maybe is different as well. I would hope that's really something that comes along with emotional maturity as we age. True that. I really look at, I I, I certainly don't want to reduce this conversation down to my dog. But I look at, and Dara's like rolling her eyes at me. She's like, no, I'm not. I I actually, (laughs) because I, yeah, I know what you're going to say. But so my dog is just enthusiastically happy and, and she loves to do everything. She goes after everything with unbridled enthusiasm. And I look at that thinking, gosh, you know, what can I do in my life 
so that I go after things with unbridled enthusiasm as well. So do you feel like happiness is the key to living a big life? Like, do you feel like they go hand in hand? Meaning, can you successfully live a big life, but be an unhappy person? I actually do think that. Now, I think that happiness is a byproduct of living a big life. If you're always doing what you need to do to live whatever your big life definition is, I think that you're naturally going to become more happy because that's just the byproduct. But it is an after effect of living that big life. So you could be somebody who genuinely, you know, look at me, Dara. I mean, let's face it, from one perspective, I have a really shitty life, right? And yet my goal is that 49% of the time, my life is the shitty life, but 51% of the time is the big life and the happy life and the person who goes for things with gusto. And that balance, that tip of the scales makes my life so much better. Okay. Do you feel that, and I do, you know, we talk about this so much, but it's how much an attitude plays in the way you view your current situation and your perception of whether or not you have a big life or not is so important. Absolutely. And I'll give you a great example. I had to do one, one thing this week that is like probably in my bottom 10 things to do. Okay. So what was it? I had to get my teeth cleaned. Really? That's one of your like bottom 10? <laughs> it is. Okay. How many? <laughs> um, all right. Garth has had just... <laughs> Okay, surgeries, chemo, daily pills, nausea, body pain, more CT scans, and and you're worried about getting your teeth cleaned? Not worried, <laughs> but it's just of, of all okay. of the things, there are two things that I equate very similarly. One is getting my hair cut and the other is getting my teeth cleaned because it's just sitting there. It's very passive. I didn't have a very good relationship with my dentist when I was a teenager. And that has absolutely carried over to my attitude as a grown up. Well, you know, most people there, <clears throat> if you look at the statistics, right? I mean, a huge percentage of people fear going to the dentist. Yeah. And I also have to go a higher than average amount because my mouth chemistry is really messed up because of the long-term chemo that I've had. Okay. But I go in there and I've, I've admitted it, right? I own the fact that I don't like going to the dentist. My entire team there knows that. I go in with music and I put on headphones and I listen to music the entire time my teeth are getting cleaned. By the way, got a clean bill of health, no new cavities, no new issues. So that's great. Okay, that's great. But so I had a new hygienist this week. Mm. My previous hygienist retired. She was absolutely like this warm caring person who looked at me as a whole patient, not just, not just the guy who needs his teeth cleaned. She never made me lie to her, right? She never once asked me, do you floss every day? Yeah. Right. right? Cause I'm just lying at that point. Right. You um, and 99.9% .9 of the population. Exactly. <laughs> Which I mean, don't they know that? I know. Why, why did dentists like they put you on the spot? No. That's like, and or they say, I can tell you've done a great job flossing. Yeah. And you're thinking, I haven't been flossing. But anyway, go on. It's like when I go to my doctor and I step on the scale and they're like, oh, are you still running every day? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I know, well, right? Yeah. So okay. so this new hygienist, dental hygienist was kind of like just mopey. And 
I don't remember exactly the train of conversation that we were having, but it was very much, she was a Debbie Downer and she was talking about how she suffers from insomnia and how blah, 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 whatever. And I really wanted to turn the conversation around because not only was I at the dentist, not happy to start with, but the conversation was bringing me down too. Mm -hmm. So I said, Hey, you know, I just need to tell you something. I have cancer. Right. And I just threw it out there and I talked about very briefly having cancer seven times, having daily chemo, having brain surgery, all of this stuff. And I said, and I have to tell you, I wake up every morning and I have to choose to be happy. And it is an active choice and it's a hard choice. You set your intention. Right. And so, um, again, I think that that's part of the living the big life. I don't know that this person is in the right mindset to live yeah. a big life. Well, um, and you bring up an, an interesting point, but maybe not everyone wants to live a big life. And who are we to judge whether or not someone wants to live a big life or not, right? I mean, that's her choice, her life, her choice. It, it is. It reminds me of the scene in The Office. It was one of the earlier episodes when Jan, who's the the district P or something, she comes in to have like this, this woman's day. And she's talking with all of the female employees and she's really trying to feel them out for who might be better for advancement. And, you know, is there somebody that she can help promote to help foster empowering women within the organization? And so she asks, you know, what are your dreams? And Kelly Kapoor says, you know, I'm not going to be that type of mom who shuttles her kids around in a minivan. And so you think that she's going after this. I want to be, you know, career driven and you know, succeed in business and whatnot. And she's like, I don't want a minivan. I want an SUV, <laughs> three rows of seats. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> right. And so you're right in that it's how can you choose to live your big life and how can you choose happiness and how does that move forward? But some people really are okay with not. And, and, and you know what? That's great. their big life. They might be really happy. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like, the quest for happiness is actually more important than we even sometimes, well, I focus on it a lot, but I feel like happiness really is our human right. And if we're all here on this planet now, don't we deserve to be happy? And don't we deserve to make the most out of every single day? And if you have like in your mind a big life, but you're not really happy, then what's the point? So let me give you an example. So BC, for those of you who have been listening to the Thrive Podcast, you know that that stands for before cancer. One could argue that I was living a big life. I had a great job. I was making a lot of money and I was just kind of doing my thing. My kids were happy. You know, my marriage was great. Everything on paper checked off really, really nicely. And if I look back now, I wasn't really the happiest version of myself at that time. Maybe I thought I was, but I can definitely see that I wasn't. And so, you know, then went through a lot of stuff, went through cancer, went through all the treatments, you know, found myself in the space where I'm like, okay, now what? Didn't know what to do. Didn't know how to move forward. That's a really hard thing to figure out. 
when you go through treatment and the doctors say, okay, you're done, go back to living your life. And you're just kind of like, okay, but what does that even mean? How do I even do that? Because there's so many emotions, fear being a very large component of that. And so I knew that I had to figure it out. I did a lot of work on myself, really tried to kind of educate myself and learn tools that could help me move forward. And the reason I'm saying this is because I feel so much happier today than I was then. And I'm not making the kind of money that I was making back then, nowhere even close. But I'm so much happier today because I am intentionally creating what brings me happiness. So this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Crush Cancer online course, a 10 module online program that you can watch from your home. It's little videos with worksheets that go along with each module. It is regularly $197, but with your coupon code THRIVE, you will receive 50% off, and that means you will get the whole course for $99. The 10 modules talk about things such as you didn't ask for cancer, but now we have to deal with it, to thinking about yourself as a survivor, establishing a mantra, physical and emotional changes, fear versus faith, creating a daily self-care practice, and so many more things. You can check it out by going to crazyperfectlife.com and clicking on the Crush Cancer Online course. So, you know, uh, you, you mentioned something at the beginning of this part of the conversation, about happiness being one of our rights. And I'm going to step back a little bit because, again, I think that happiness is a byproduct of whether you call it living your big life or whatever, right? I, I believe that happiness is something that naturally happens if you are doing, if to be honest, if you're fulfilling your purpose on the world. If you're right. being true to your heart, if you're right. doing what your soul, what your passions are, if you're going after that. And there's something that I always step back to when we talk about happiness and somebody talks about it being a right. And here's the thing. And I think that this is something that people do get confused with who think that it's something that should be just handed to them. I don't think it uh, should be handed to them. Oh, no, no, to no. I, yeah. No, okay. I, right. I don't think you, I think you and I are on the same page, Okay. but it's that happiness is not a, a right. And, and I step back to this, you know, very famous phrase in the Declaration of Independence, which is we have three unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I think that that pursuit, that's where that's the, the right. That's well, your human right. Right. To pursue and pursue happiness. Right. And so if you are pursuing happiness, Right. If you are living your best and your big life, you're doing what's right for you and you're following the path that the universe has put in front of you and you are living it with gusto, then happiness is a result of that. I totally agree with that. And, there and, are there are times though when <clears throat> it's not so it's not linear, right? You have oh, to absolutely. you have to figure out because as we talked about earlier, like we change, we go through things, we grow, we get a different perspective. And so you actually almost have to give yourself permission and intentionally kind of like look back and think, okay, so is what I'm doing now serving me well? Is this what I want? As I go after trying to bring happiness into my life, 
do I need to make some changes? Does it, this feel like I'm on the right path? And if not, it's okay. But you know, it takes a lot of courage to kind of figure out, okay, Hey, I'm doing this, but this is actually not fulfilling me anymore. And it doesn't feel like I'm the happiest version of myself if I stay the course. So I'm going to kind of deviate a little bit and I don't know how it's going to necessarily play out, but I'm going to take that leap of faith because it feels like in my pursuit of happiness, that's the right decision for me. For sure. And you know, there was something I think that you and I have talked about this a long time ago. There was a point in time when I wasn't sure if I was going down the path that I needed to go down. So when and, was that? Well, I mean, we could pick a million different times in my life, right? Because I've branched off so many times, but very specifically with napkin notes. I felt like I had too much going on in my life. I remember this. Yeah. you. Yeah. And, and napkin notes was one of those things, to be honest, was becoming a burden because I was sick and I had too many other obligations. Yeah. Yeah. And right around that same time, I was listening to a, I, I can't remember if it was a podcast or an audiobook. And it was Dave Ramsey, who is a very famous financial person. And he talks about financial peace and how you, it's kind of a, a faith-based approach to your personal finances. But the, the conversation that I remember wasn't, had nothing to do with finances. It had to do with the fact that he believed that if you walked the path that God gave you, that God would reward you. And I remember thinking about that as I heard it and I was really struggling because I didn't really care for the path that was being put in front of me. Right. I mean, I was just yeah. diagnosed with cancer for my fourth time. I was sick. I had to keep working because I couldn't lose my health insurance. You know, my family was being financially crushed. I hard was to, hard to feel happy in that exactly. moment. Yeah. In that space. So I'm getting a little choked up here because I, I don't actually talk about this that much. There was a conversation I had with God and kind of laid it out there saying, Hey, I, I, I don't want this shit, mm -hmm. right? You have put me on this path. It's not, not that I don't even want to be on the path. I'm ready to completely step off because I don't agree with it and I'm done. And there was something that clicked in my head at that point where I realized that I didn't have to like that path, but it was absolutely something that would build the relationship between God and, and me that I didn't have to like the path, but I did have to walk the path with enthusiasm and happiness. So and how do you think you came to that? How, how do you think you came to that conclusion? I, to be like, honest, what was it, was it, it just like a voice? Like, did it just, was it like the universe delivering that to you? It really kind of was because, yeah. because I realized that, Hey, you know what? I have an opportunity and not that I hadn't been doing this, but I actually have an opportunity to wake up every morning and make a difference somewhere, somehow with my attitude and my approach to health and you know, just being the general geek Garth that I am. And I never know, right? I'll never know the impact that I could be making elsewhere. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll give you a great example. I was at a, a local business recently giving a little talk and we recorded the talk and we released it on YouTube. And I have received a dozen 
messages from people. Mm, amazing. That have said, hey, you know, Garth, I, I have cancer. Or mm. I have this other thing in my life. And mm-hmm. I want you to know that your attitude and your outlook is making me rethink where I love I that. Am. Yeah, I love that so much. So I, I think what we're saying and how you can, our listeners, bring this into your life is that we're not saying that we have perfect lives. Like if you look at, you know, again, like the checkbox of what society might say is the perfect life. We're not saying that necessarily everything in our lives is always perfect. I I think we're saying basically we're both committed to allowing ourselves permission to go after what feeds our soul, what gives us passion, how we can positively maybe impact other people. And that, for me, that that's what makes me feel happy. And that's what, and it, it's kind of spirals, right? So like the happier I feel, it's like momentum. The happier you feel, then you want to do some more stuff that makes you feel happier. And it just kind of all spirals, just like feeling negative probably spirals. Right, and, and, and so when you, and just to clarify, when you're saying it spirals, you mean it's spiraling upward. Right. It's spiraling <clears throat> upward versus spiraling downward. Right. But right. I think it's, it it's, can go in either side, either direction. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But so, right. so the, the living the big life is always something that if you, again, if you're true to yourself and you're true to your message and you're, yeah. and you're trying to do that, it's always going to be an upward Absolutely. thing. You touched on something that I also think is actually the frosting on the cake for living a big life. Okay, in my mind, I hope it's what you're... I, I, I can't wait to hear what you're going to say because I I hope it's what I'm thinking you're going to say. Oh, okay. gosh. Now there's too much pressure. Yeah. It has nothing to do with real frosting. Although that that's, you know... So I think that... Um, and it reminds me of a napkin note that I wrote to Emma. And it says, Dear Emma, live for something bigger than yourself. And I really believe that if you are... You know, part of your big life is... How do you impact your community, your family, your friends in a positive manner? You don't have to be Elon Musk, you know, trying to solve the world's power problems or how to get to Mars, right? It can be something as simple as putting a four-leaf clover in somebody's mailbox. Who does that? (laughs) I I think that I've heard one of my dear friends does that. What nut job does that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but and, and think about that, that it's, you know, yeah. just that's bringing something... joy to someone else, exactly. helping someone else. Yeah. I, I think always being giving towards other people feels so good to the person who's receiving it, but also to the person who's doing the kind act as well. I also feel like another component of this is being true to who you are and really being yourself unapologetically so. I don't feel like you can really be the happiest version of yourself or live a big life if you're not really, when you go to sleep at night and you get into bed, you know whether or not you are being authentically yourself or if you are putting on airs or pretending or trying to be someone else, you know what feels right. And so for me, I feel like I couldn't be the happiest version of myself if I wasn't really being who I am, whatever that is, right? Flaws and all, 
because it wouldn't feel right. It wouldn't feel genuine because it wouldn't be genuine. You always say like you're nerdy Garth. I mean, you do always say that. You do. I do. do. But I mean, I love that because you love the fact that that's part of who you are and that's what makes you able to embrace that and be the happiest version of yourself, not trying to hide it. Yeah, and you know what's what's awesome about that aspect, and we'll we'll use me as an example. Dara, can you even begin to guess how many messages a week I get from various people who want to share the newest Star Wars news with me? And I genuinely appreciate each and every single one of them. I always respond back with kindness and enthusiasm. How much how much news can possibly be coming out? <laughs> like regarding Star Wars updates. Like, seriously. So, Dara. Is it something that changes regularly? (laughs) Well, I mean, so, yes, there's there's been a lot lately. Okay. Okay. And it's everything from, like, you know, somebody who saw this really weird Death Star barbecue. Right. And just, like, thought of you. Right. I love... And please, if you're listening to the Thrive Podcast and you want to send me one of these messages, I want you to do it. But I have to say that I'm such a geek that I already know what they have yeah. sent to me, right? Right. But again, because here, here's the best thing about this. I own this part of me, right? I don't shy away from it anymore. And people recognize that. They yeah. see that I'm genuine. It's your thing. It's your thing. Right. And so when something in their life pops up that's Star Wars related or lightsaber related, then people automatically think of me and it brings joy to them because they know how geeky I am and that I own it. I Um, love that though. I mean, that's actually really cool because you owned it. By the way, please direct all Star Wars questions (laughs) to Garth Callahan. He is the Star Wars representative of the podcast. So Dara, I need to share this because this is something that actually happened in the past two or three days. Okay. I know that I've talked about, and if I haven't talked about it on the podcast, it's definitely on my blog. But there was a point about nine years ago that I helped influence the TSA and they changed their policy on bringing lightsabers in your carry-on. I was the one who did that. It was me. I have no words. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I try, and, and the bottom line was I tried to bring a lightsaber on, on board and they wouldn't let me. And I got the TSA to change their policy afterwards. So this is this story, a common predicament. So I have traveled very frequently with lightsabers. Yes. Um, I love you. <laughs> I, I actually say how many people can say that <laughs> I've traveled frequently with my lightsaber. <laughs> so, you know, here's a secret. And, and yeah. uh, most people don't know this. When I give a public talk, my standard outfit is jeans. Yes. And your a Star, Star Wars shirt, shirt and a, a sport jacket. Yes. Okay. Underneath my sport jacket, there's almost always a lightsaber on my belt. Are you serious? I'm absolutely serious and most people don't even know it. Wow. Um do you have, <laughs> do you happen to have one in your in that in that office of yours? Oh yeah, absolutely. You can see it right back there on the shelf. Can you grab it for me just because I need to make sure my visual in my mind of a lightsaber is, yep, that's what I was visualizing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And by the way, it's heavy and it's metal. It's very solid. Could be used as a weapon, right? 
So in any case, all right, so boy, have this, we, boy, have we gotten off topic? I know. Well, no, no, we're still on this topic because it's it's okay. it's how I have owned my geek side. So this week, mm-hmm. um, and as you know, you you know I've talked about this. Disney has opened up two Star Wars theme parks. Yes, they have Coca Cola designed special bottles that look like they fit within the Star Wars universe. And that's how they serve soft drinks in the parks. I think that's very cool, actually. It's awesomely cool, right? Like, I'm probably never <clears throat> going to visit the Star Wars park. Probably never. <laughs> unless, unless like, they want to give us free passes. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Walt Disney, we'd like two free passes, please. <laughs> yes. And we will be happy to do this podcast from your park. We would love that. Let's get on that. So here's the thing, is yeah. that those soft drink containers are very difficult to screen in the airports. And the TSA is having a hard time differentiating between those containers and, let's say, hand grenades or bombs. Okay, that's actually really scary. It is a little scary. Now, so the TSA has banned them. If you buy one of these and you want to take it home as a souvenir, you have to mail it it back. That's a bummer. Yes. Now, what do you think happened after this? So the TSA, it's it's made the news. And how many messages this week have I received saying, hey, Garth, do you want to fix this problem too? Um, like, I, I probably a heck of a lot if we're spending this much time talking about it. Right, right. <laughs> but, but again, this is part of the... Embrace the, who you are. Be right. yourself. Be Garth's big life you. is, this is part of my big life. And I know, Dara, I know that you absolutely, completely do not understand it. But you can appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. The reason why I shared all of this, outside of the fact that, yes, I will take every opportunity that I can to talk about Star Wars and lightsabers. But it's a part of me. Pursuing it brings me joy and happiness. And I clearly, right, this isn't a small part of my life. I've decided that if I'm going to be part of this craziness in Star Wars, that I'm going to be part of it. You know, Dara, you can see I've got multiple bookshelves dedicated to Star Wars stuff. What you can't see is on my desk, I have a Star Wars water bottle, a Star Wars mug, which I keep my pens in, an R2-D2, a BB-8, right? I mean, come on. And you know what, I, you know what I'm doing with the shark pens right now? Hiding the shark pens around Richmond? Yes. There's a new Star Wars movie coming out in December. And I've decided to hide various Star Wars memorabilia around the city of Richmond. I think that's great. That, I love that right? so much. But again, that's a... Yeah, that's... you're embracing who you are and you're having fun with it and it's bringing you joy and happiness. And <clears throat> I think that's amazing. So what that means to you is you got to find your Star Wars. You got to find the things in your life that bring you joy and happiness. And you got to figure that out for yourself. We can't tell you what that is. And once you figure it out... You've got to, A, give yourself permission to bring more of that into your life. B, you've got to figure out how, what that means, how much of it you want to have in your life in terms of, you know, what feels right to you. And then you've got to also choose. It's all about, it really is all about the choice. It's all about the choice to decide that, You're going to stand in your truth and you're going to embrace it all. And then you're going to continue down that path. And then if it doesn't feel right, because you've 
changed or you grow or you've decided that, you know what, this isn't what I want anymore, then you're going to give yourself permission to get off that linear path, go a different way, try something else. I mean, life is not black and white and it's actually way more fun when you don't live it that way and you embrace the grays. I love it. I absolutely love everything that you just said. So our wonderful listeners, find your freaking Star Wars. Fly your Star Wars flag, whatever that flag might be. Yeah. And enjoy it. Have fun with it. Intentionally decide that you're going to go after it. I mean, if you're sitting there waiting for your Star Wars to come to you and you're not necessarily like thinking about it, you might get really lucky and you might kind of have somehow brought and cultivated that into your life. But you might also, you might not be able to experience the joy and happiness that you could be having because you haven't really thought about it or been really intentional about what you want to bring into your life. It's not going to happen by accident. Exactly. If you are thinking I mean, it could, right? Like you could be lucky. It could, it could. It it, it could. It happens so seldomly. Yeah, I I totally agree. And if you are purposeful and you're pursuing your big life and you're pursuing happiness and you're doing those things that are important to you, whatever they might be, you might find, hey, this isn't the right thing, but uh, there, there could be something else that crops up. It is probably not going to happen by accident. And you're not Bob Ross painting a, a, a landscape scene and you make a little mistake and he called us a happy accident, right? That's not going to happen. You need to get up and figure out how to go for it. And here's the thing. Just start. Just right. start. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know exactly what you want to do or where this is going to lead you, but you just have to make that decision to take that first step. And you don't have to start at the end, right? That's a bad place to start. There's another napkin note that I wrote to Emma. Think big, start small, right? So start with one little tiny thing. If you want to become the world's freaking best apple pie maker, Feel, feel, free to, feel free to send Garth and I some of that, by the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. But but yeah. you've got to start. You've got to start, uh, right? Get a basic recipe and figure out what works for you. And then you can start to figure out how to tailor it. So it is actually the world's best apple pie. And along with that, don't compare yourself to other people because nothing can squash a dream faster than comparing yourself to someone else and then that whole negative conversation in your mind about what you should be doing or why you're not doing it, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to help you. You know who's really good about not comparing themselves to others? Garth Callahan. Well, yeah, you and me, of course, I think. No, you're better at it than I am. You are. It's something that I recognize in myself that I can possibly go down to that dark, the shadow side. And I'm very intentional when I hear myself and I hear that thought. I bring myself back. I release it. But it's just something that I know. No, about. you're right. I think that some of that comes from the fact that I played baseball when I was a kid. And I've, I've always loved to watch baseball, especially the, the major leagues. You're always talking about how many games out are you from first, right? Mm-hmm. But And that's a natural product of, of sports and competition. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there are no undefeated baseball teams, right? There's nobody who hits and gets on base every single time they get up to bat. And so if you think about it, baseball players, the best hitters 
They hit about 300, which means three out of 10 times they make it on base. And so that's actually shocking. Well, think about it. That means seven out of 10 times they're losers. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. It's actually shocking. Right. So how do you, as a baseball player, overcome yeah, that feeling? Yeah, with that. You focus on the three that you hit. I love that. I love that yeah. so much. Yeah. Because one of those three might have been a home run, too. So awesome. Yeah. So go live your big life with gusto and enjoy all that you deserve to have in your life. You said it exactly right. You deserve it. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. I invite you to get my free audio download, Reclaim Your Life at crazyperfectlife.com with tips and tools to help you feel your best. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Gard.